We're in Colossians, and it, uh, it's, it seems like it's been a while since we've met, and that's primarily because it has been. We were not here last Sunday, um, one of the few times we are, how shall I say, evicted from our church home. Um, hopefully that last weekend uh, you found something else uh, worthwhile and encouraging to do last Sunday, but it's good to be back as a family of God. Um, we always see all of the little ones leave on a Sunday morning. I, I want you to know that increasingly there's a large group of young people, grade five, six, seven, and up, who also leave, except they leave out the back end. And so it's part of our church that even as we gather here continues to meet and uh, give opportunities, especially I'm thinking for the young people to ask questions about faith, uh, to ask um, the leaders, uh, whether it's uh, Chris Weins this morning, or whether it's Jonathan, or whether it's Arlen, or whether it's Jenna, uh, giving young people an opportunity to ask questions about those things that we say we believe as children of God. So we sort of need to keep those people in mind, even though they kind of uh, leave us for a while. Chapter 1 of Colossians, Paul highlighted the supremacy of Jesus that he is the image of the invisible God, and that this morning, even as we sit here, Jesus reigns supreme over everything that he has made. Those things we see and those things we don't see. He is the head of the church this morning. He loves the church. He gave himself for it. And the Bible says that you and I are actually living stones. It's an interesting metaphor, but we are living stones as part of the church, and we are being built up into a holy temple, a holy temple that crosses, surrounds the globe. In chapter 2, Paul emphasizes that our salvation is complete in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And most of chapter 2 was a warning from Paul not to tamper with the finished work of the cross and the resurrection. So he says, don't give in to uh, the spiritual wisdom of the day. Uh, don't give in to a legalism of do's and don'ts. Be on guard even within the church of those who may claim to have special revelation. Legalism in all its forms involves striving for something rather than resting in what we already have in Jesus. So sometimes we can strive to become better people. We can strive after spiritual experience of some kind, and in the striving for those things, we may miss the fullness of Jesus who by his spirit indwells us moment by moment as children of God. We need to rest in that truth. This morning as we sit here, every morning, the fullness of Jesus through the spirit of God is a treasure that the Bible says we hold 
in these jars of clay. So we need to plant our feet in Colossians 1 and 2. They hold truths about Jesus. They hold truths about our salvation. They hold truths about our new life in Christ that are unchanging. We don't need to worry about them. They do not depend on us or how we feel. They remain true and they reflect God's heart for us. And we need to cling to those truths and we need to rest in them. And then chapter 3 arrives, and Paul talks about what it means to live that out. Living out our faith, living out those things that we believe in these fragile jars of clay. And there is nothing either easy or automatic about that. If we portray the Christian faith as kind of a cure-all, or a magic wand, or a panacea for all the things that trouble us, or all the things that challenge us in life, we will be disappointed. Our world is self-absorbed. I will admit that my own tendency is to be self-absorbed. Yet the call of Jesus is to be willing to deny ourselves. And that, I think, is the tension we all live in as children of God. God, Jesus, the reality of the Holy Spirit in our lives are things that are unchanging. Unfortunately, that cannot be said of me that I really am the ever-changing variable in this relationship that I have with God my Father. He is unchanging. I have my struggles in working out what it means to be a child of God. I know that I am not completely dependable. In spite of my faith, which I cling to, I know my own weaknesses. I am aware of those thoughts and those attitudes that can very easily come to mind. And they are not always uplifting and they are not always wholesome. The call to deny ourselves, the, the call to pick up our cross and follow Jesus is a call that goes against what comes naturally. And Paul refers to that as the struggle. He often says it is actually the battle for our minds. The things that we tend to dwell on as people are the things that generally either drive us, and some of those things can be really quite honorable and quite good. Sometimes the things we dwell on hold us captive so focused on them that in a way they, they kind of hold us captive. And we as people tend to camp out or dwell on things that are visible. Me. I like to dwell on me. 
my health, maybe my wealth, maybe my family, maybe my toys, maybe simply my own comfort. That these things kind of represent what I would call the ongoing spiritual battle that we live out. And I think it's interesting that God, who has placed us on this earth, surrounded us with things that are unbelievably beautiful, things sometimes of great pleasure, and yet at the same time, things of profound pain. Things incredible, things horrific. We're surrounded by things we can see, we can handle, we can taste, we can touch. And yet God asks us to live as if we don't. If we're not simply called to focus on the things that we see. He's put us here surrounded by all of it. And he asks us to think as if we don't. To me, it's a great mystery of the call to be children of God. And in a way, it seems like an impossible or unreasonable task. But Paul would say that if we want to live as people who actually have been reborn by the Spirit of God, if we want to live as people who actually feel increasingly transformed by God, we need to engage in the battle for our minds. If I want to experience something greater than what I can see, if I want to experience something greater than, let's say, the circumstances of life, I'm going to have to train my mind to dwell on something else. And Paul writes very openly about this struggle. In Philippians, he refers to it, this battle, he calls it working out our salvation. Working out what it means to be a child of God. Not working for it, but putting thought and effort into what it means to walk by faith, not by sight. And in a very real way, I think working out our faith requires an intentional workout. If we put our minds on autopilot, which I think most of us are quite, we quite often do, we will automatically drift towards our natural tendencies. And our natural tendencies are not always admirable. In Colossians 3, verse 5 to 9, Paul is talking to a church. So he's not talking to people who don't understand the Christian message. He's talking to children of God, and he says to them, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking in you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. 
Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. And you used to do these things. You used to live this way when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So Paul would say we need to be willing to constantly actually shift the gears of our minds. So if you ask, is this sort of then some kind of a struggle between mind over matter? And I would say no to that because in that as well. But Paul would say it is a battle where your mind matters. And Paul would in fact say that it is a battle for your mind. That we are involved in. Not mind over matter, but your mind matters, and that's where the battle is. Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4 says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. It's done. There's something about that statement that says, Oh my goodness, I've already been raised to new life in Jesus. So set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life, I just think that's so interesting, is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Romans 12.2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. You might ask, well, does, a, does Paul mean that literally? Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Think about the things of heaven. And I think the answer to that question is an absolute yes. That that is what Paul is saying we need to fix our minds on the things that we actually cannot see. So I want to ask a few questions. And I ask them not sort of to create uh, guilt in anybody's mind or heart, but rather maybe to open the eyes of our hearts to the newness of life that is already ours in Jesus. To increasingly open my eyes to those things that are unseen. 
So I ask, how much time do I spend setting my sights on the realities of heaven in any given day? How much time do I think about that? We sometimes call the prize that lies ahead for those who persevere. How much time do I spend contemplating the greatness of God, my Father? How much time do I spend giving thanks for the incredible treasure that I hold in this fragile jar of clay? Christ in me, Paul says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. How much time do I spend being overwhelmed by that truth? And you might say, well, Doug, I'd be afraid of becoming so heavenly minded that I'll be of no earthly good then. I would say, you know what, that's likely not going to be a problem. That truly to be heavenly minded probably frees you. Frees me to be of way more earthly good. And Paul uses an interesting phrase in verse 3. And I thought about that this last week and a half. When he says, our new life is hidden with Christ. And I thought about that. You know, sometimes we hide things because we're embarrassed about them. And so we hide them. There are other times when we hide things because we value them. And we don't want to lose them. And when Paul says, my new life as a child of God is already hidden with Christ, it speaks to me of assurance. It speaks to me of comfort. It speaks to me of strength that I have as a child of God. And it speaks to me of things I do not fully understand and things that are invisible. This morning we're going to gather around the communion table as children of God. The communion table is a call for us to to remember the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. It's also a call for us to look ahead to the day when we will share in his glory. Another mystery I don't fully understand, but I think it is. To me, it's just one of the incredible uh, things that we hope for and long for as children of God. But there's coming a time when we're going to sit at a banquet table. And as children of God, our name tag is already there. My name already written. In heaven. You might say I can see it waiting for me. Somebody. Is expecting me. So Paul. Challenges us this morning. To continue to consider. How we think. What we think about. And he encourages us to. 
I'm not going to say ignore the things that are visible. We can't do that. That wouldn't be reasonable. But he calls us to give thought to those things, those truths that are invisible, which he says is our real life. Now, I, to me, that's a tough, it's a tough statement to sort of fully say, yeah, I get that. But more and more, as children of God, Paul says the real life that we live, it's not contained by the things we see and by the things that so easily fill up our day. There's a song that says, ponder anew what the Almighty can do. And I would say ponder anew this morning what the Almighty has already done for you and for me, that we are children of God. We are indwelt with the fullness of the Spirit of God. We have a Heavenly Father who knows us by name, and eternity is waiting for us. And Paul says we need to camp out on the amazing truth of Jesus Christ and the fullness of our salvation. We need to allow those things that are unseen to be of greater value to us, to hold more weight in our life than those things we see. And if we do our perspective on life, and I think our struggle with our own desires will begin more and more to fall in line with the heart and the character of Jesus Christ. And in return, we can experience a peace that this world cannot give because it is a peace it does not understand. So in this journey of faith, as children of God this morning, as living stones in a huge church of millions of people, in a world that so easily grabs my attention and captures my thoughts, I want us to leave today thinking about a banquet table in eternity that already has your name on it. And I encourage you to keep that picture in mind. Sometimes it's maybe easier to keep that picture in mind when life is full of struggles and challenges. And all of a sudden that reality of, wow, my real life is still, is still waiting for me in a way. So I encourage us this morning. I know sometimes when I have attended a, a wedding and you walk into the reception and you walk around and all of a sudden you'll see, well, yep, Doug Weeb. We, we need to realize that God has that already waiting for us. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to, to come up. I just want to pray, and then we're going to celebrate uh, communion together as a church. And, and we have an open mic, and this morning, if there's something that God has on your heart, uh, a word of thanks, a word of encouragement, a word of praise, I, I want to encourage you to come up and share it with the church.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word. Quite literally, God, within the word of God, within the Bible, there are words that can breathe life into us in a way that nothing else can. And so, Father, I pray this morning that the Spirit of God would take the truth of who you are. The Spirit of God would take the truth of who we are in you. And, Father, would it motivate us to walk as children of God. So, Father, help us even this week to remember those things that are invisible. That those are the things that absolutely are unchanging in our walk with you. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.